Just going to run through a few of the announcements in the bulletin. This coming Wednesday, we'll be looking at Genesis 27 and 28. And I titled this Isaac's Blessing and God's Promise. So chapter 27, Isaac's Blessing, God's Promise, chapter 28. This coming Wednesday here in the sanctuary, of course, we're through social media and also on WLGS radio. One of the things we haven't figured out yet, I think my mic is hot because Kevin's been teaching. I'm louder. One of the things we haven't figured out with the radio yet, we are streaming online. Um, We haven't figured out, really taken the time to figure it out, but to make these services live through the video or the audio stream. So right now, they're only live through the analog stream, through the tower. But we'll get that worked out. Still working out some details. People have been asking, what's all the boxes in the back corner? Uh, Video camera system that we're going to start working on getting installed here. So get away from my iPhone being our video camera. Yay for me. Um, Especially... Last Wednesday, I had the I flipped the screen, and so I was sideways. So get me out of it. I would be happy. Um, I ordered for our church a portable baptistry. I ordered it this week. It takes usually three weeks to turn around. And uh, once we get that, we will have a baptismal service. So once again, if you'd like to be baptized, please talk with Pastor Kevin or myself. We would love to be able to do that for you and uh, we'll be able to do it here on the grounds and that's good because the lake is starting to cool down over there so we'll be able to control the temperature of the water for you guys Uh, women's retreat october 15th through the 17th information there in your bulletin and uh, i've already mentioned wlgs we've held off the men and women's breakfasts till october we're going to be starting a new book um a Shepherd's Guide to Psalm 23. And so I believe his name is William Keller. Keller, I believe, is the author's name. But um, he lived in South Africa. He raised sheep for several years. And so he takes a look at Psalm 23 through the eyes of a shepherd and really breaks it down. It's a beautiful little booklet, and we're going to begin working our way through that. In October, the books are here. All you have to do is show up for the breakfasts, and uh, we'll have that study for you. I think it's going to be a good study for all of us. Psalm 23 is a very famous passage of Scripture, and so to get an in-depth look at the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, uh, will be a blessing for all of us, I'm sure. book's been around for quite a while, and I know some of you may have looked at it, but it's always good to when we come together as a group to discuss these things, people see different passages, have a different perspective, and it really helps engage our mind and open us up to God's word in a fresh way. Well, that's about it for the announcements. We are looking at Revelation chapter 11, beginning in verse 15 today. I plan on working my way all the way through chapter 12. We've been going through the book of Revelation, and I'll I'll say it again. I've repeated it several times. I take a very literal view of the book of 
Revelation. There are some allegories in here. There's some things that John sees. He tries to explain to us. Sometimes they're difficult to understand. But I believe over the last year and a half, I've been getting more clarity in regards to the book of Revelation because, well, we continue on, not today. We'll see a little bit of it today. But we continue on and and we read about a mark and no one being able to buy or sell without this mark. Man, it, it sounds like mandates to me. You know, it sounds very familiar to the things that we see happening in our world and in our own country today and the formation of these and how they can get into play. Right now, we are not here in the book of Revelation. I don't believe that we're living in these days, but they are still future But we see how future is shaping up to align with scripture. And that's always been a thing. I've been waiting. I'm going to read a quote to you from Clarence Larkin, who wrote, I believe, in 1919, a commentary on the book of Revelation. And he tried to envision what the mark of the beast would look like. And he had visible tattoos. He had You know, government workers sitting at every store checking your tattoo as you walk in. And uh, we don't have to try to visualize too hard. It's not that difficult of how that could play out, whether having uh, a bioscan and some kind of device in our body or on our body that could allow us to be tracked. In fact, I'd hold up my iPhone, but it's right there. They're tracking us anyways. Every time you walk around with your little device, wherever you're going, they know where you're at. So not so difficult to envision these days, but we're looking at the seventh trumpet being sounded here in Revelation 11:15, And we've had uh, the seventh seal introduce the seven trumpets and the seventh trumpet will introduce the seven bold judgments. And so this is, really taking us to the next step in the book of Revelation where the trumpet sounds and we see some events take place. Today we'll read about events that take place in heaven at the sounding of the seventh trumpet and also will take place on earth. But there's a passage of scripture in here that talks about overcomers. And we're going to go through the text, but I really want you to understand the importance of being an overcomer today. So just keep that thought in mind as we get into the word of God today. I'll go ahead and read four contexts. Revelation 11 verses 15 through 19. And then uh, open us in prayer and we'll get into the teaching of God's word. Then the seventh angel sounded. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on the thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, who was, and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged. And you should reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who feared your name, small and great, 
and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was open in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. So, Father, again, we ask that you would bless the teaching of your word this morning. And although I didn't mention about gifts and offerings being received here at the church today, Lord, either received through online giving or through physically being here at the church, we pray, Lord, your blessing upon the gifts given to this fellowship. It is enabling us to better present your word with a new video system and things, Lord, we're able to do that help us to be more connected with people when they're not here at the church. So I pray, Father, your blessing upon the work that you've called us to here in these last days. We also ask, Lord, bless the teaching of your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. So the seventh trumpet, at the sounding of the seventh trumpet, the Bible tells us that all heaven erupts in worship, in praise, And they begin to shout out the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he, Jesus Christ, shall reign forever and ever. And this causes the 24 elders to fall down and worship before the Lord. And this is always the case in heaven. And I think it's here on earth as well. At least it could be here on earth as well. That our worship feeds off of one another. And we find that as all heaven erupts into this worship, that it caused the 24 elders to respond by falling on their faces before the Lord and to also give praise and thanks to God. I think it should be a very similar thing, especially when the body of Christ gathers together, that we encourage one another in our worship of the Lord and that we strengthen one another in the days that we find ourselves in. We need to come alongside one another to strengthen one another because the days we find ourselves in are very difficult days indeed. And we find this in heaven. It's how it's going to be in heaven. Worship will feed off of worship. One group will begin to worship, whether they're the four creatures before the throne or the 24 elders or the host of heaven. Worship feeds off of worship in heaven as it should here on earth as well. While we'll not learn about Jesus' second coming until we come to Revelation 19, this begins the final phase of the tribulation and God's judgment upon mankind. And as for the sounding of the seventh trumpet and the third woe, as it's described in Scripture, we find that its completion will not, uh, as we read through this passage, we won't come to that completion until we get to Revelation 20. As I said, the seventh trumpet actually opens up the last seven bold judgments of God. But there in Revelation 20, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven and having the key of the bottomless pits and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up, set a seal upon him so that he should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, 
He must be released for a little while. And so I mention this because there in Revelation 20, verses 1 and 3, it talks about the locking away of the dragon, and he names him Satan and the devil. Different names for the same being. And yet will be introduced to this great fiery red dragon in Revelation chapter 12. And so the sounding of the seventh trumpet begins the process of these last days, the last three and a half years here upon the earth during the great tribulation. But when this happens, all heaven breaks out in worship. In Hebrews 12:28, it tells us, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Since we are receiving a kingdom, one day we will receive this kingdom. It's ours. And so the author of Hebrews says, Because we will one day receive this kingdom, we are right now to serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That's what we're to be doing right now. Jesus has finished his work of redemption through his death, burial, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father. But the work of his redemptive plan is still being played out in this world today. And one day it will come to the final days, as the Bible tells us here. While heaven is rejoicing, in verse 18, it tells us that the nations were angry. Your wrath has come, the time of the dead, that they should be judged, that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, those who fear your name, both small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. The nations are angry at God for the coming of his judgment. While all heaven is praising God, the nations are angry at God. It's true to this day. We find a lot of anger, especially here in this last year, year and a half. There's been a lot of anger against the church, the true church of Jesus Christ here on this earth. Anger that we would even dare to gather together to worship together as the body of Christ, even though the word of God tells us that we are to do this. It's okay if you protest in the city streets, if you loot, you burn, you destroy, all that's good. But if the church gathers together to worship, why, they are super spreaders. They shouldn't be doing these things. The world gets angry at us for trying to operate in accordance to God's word, but also with the same standards that they set for themselves but then when they see it kind of functioning in a different way through a different group of people, that shouldn't be done. We live in a twisted world, don't we? But here's what David said about the world. In Psalm 2, verses 1 through 6, he says, Why do the nations rage? The people plot a vain thing. The kings of this earth set themselves, the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying... Let us break their bonds in pieces, cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. 
Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. The world looks at the church and they think, well, today we hear a lot about social justice. We hear a lot about the critical race theory, which they are actually accusing the faithful, those who want to hold true to the word of God as perpetuating injustice upon this earth. It's so bizarre because you look at the history of our world, especially since the time of Christ and the work that the church has done in our world and how much good has come from the church that suddenly the church is the evil one. It seems odd to us until you look at the word to where the Lord Jesus said in the last days that which is good will be viewed as evil and that which is evil will be viewed as good, that there is a reverse of our thinking that's taking place in this world. David, though, in Psalm chapter 2, looked forward to the day of the reign of Christ. He looked forward to the millennial reign of Christ. And he suggests that the rulers of this earth, that they are foolish to resist the reign of God. And I think that's true individually as well. So often we resist the work that God wants to do individually, privately in our hearts. And all it is is a battle that we have with the Lord that we can never win. We find freedom when we surrender to the will of God over our lives. True freedom is found in submission to he who created us and sent his son to redeem us. In fact, David would go on to say, and I'm summarizing this from Psalm 2 verses 10 through 12. He would go on to say, better to serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling and to kiss the son in acceptance of his rule over us than to resist him and cause his anger to make them perish. While the nations rage because of God's righteous judgments, believers, whether prophets or saints, whether small or great, they will be receiving reward from the Lord. God will bless those who faithfully believe in him. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 11 and 12 said, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. Say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are you when they revile, when they persecute, and that it's coming. It's upon this earth. And we think about 9-11, the attack against our country. We celebrated, it's wrong to say the word celebration, but it was the memorial of the 20th year yesterday of those who are attacking whom they deem in Islam the great Satan. We are hated in the world. Right now in Afghanistan, there are Christians who are feeling this hatred come against them. And although they are fighting against the believers, we'll see this in chapter 12, they can't get a hold of God, so they try to get a hold of God's people. But the Lord said, blessed are you when you're reviled and you're persecuted. 
I know it may not feel like a blessing, but the Lord is saying you need to look beyond and we'll see this again for the overcomers in chapter 12, looking beyond the events that will take place on this earth to our heavenly reward. Verse 19, a wonderful verse of scripture where it says the temple of God was opened in heaven and the Ark of the Covenant was seen in his temple and there were lightning, noises, thunderings, earthquakes and a great hail. The chapter begins with John being instructed to measure the physical temple. Revelation chapter 11, John was instructed to go measure the temple, the physical temple that right now doesn't exist in Israel. But do you know that they have all the building materials needed to build it? They are waiting for approval from the governments, I believe, of this world. And one day there will be one who comes to this earth. We know him as the Antichrist that will allow that building to be erected. John begins chapter 11 being commanded to measure the temple on earth. And at the end of the chapter, He sees the temple of God in heaven. Hebrews 8, 3 through 6 says, For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one, Jesus Christ, also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, who serve the copy of, the shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. God said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch he, Jesus, is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. And so the tabernacle, the temple that Israel had while here on this earth, they were copies of the heavenly. And here in Revelation 11:19, we find the temple of God and the Ark of the Covenant being revealed there in the heavenly throne room of God. The earthly priests, while they offered gifts according to the law, these were merely copies and shadows of the things to come, that which is being done in heaven. And Jesus Christ came and offered himself an atoning sacrifice. He offered himself as the atoning sacrifice and now serves in the heavenly throne room of God. And how awesome this time will be when Jesus takes his throne. All heaven will break out in worship. And so we get into chapter 12 in verses 1 through 6. Again, I'll read the context for you. Revelation 12, verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars, who being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. 
and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. So he says he has this sign appeared in heaven. A sign in the Greek, it simply refers to a wonder or a miracle, but that which is contrary to what is normal. This is something that normally doesn't take place. There was this sign that took place in heaven. It's talking about a spiritual purpose. And by allowing God to interpret itself in Genesis 37, chapter 37, verses 9 through 11, we find that Joseph, one of the 12 sons of Jacob, had a dream. In Genesis thirty-seven ten, he said, So I told it to his father and to his brothers. His father rebuked him, saying, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I, your mother, and your brothers indeed come and bow down to you before the earth? And so in the dream, he had seen the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars come and bow down before him. So the sun representing his father, Jacob, the moon representing his mother, and the 11 stars representing his 11 brothers, the 12th star then being Joseph himself. And so when we allow the Bible to interpret itself, we find that this woman with the a garland with 12 stars upon her head representing the nation of Israel, the nation, this woman wanting to give birth. She's clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head this garland of 12 stars representing the nation of Israel. The woman crying out in birth pain speaks about the long labor. Just think about the long labor. From Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, when God introduced the first gospel, where he said in Genesis 3.15 to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And he, speaking about the offspring of the woman, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The first gospel talking about the promised coming of the Messiah, where he promised that a descendant of Adam would crush the head of Satan. And we know that this event took place. It was fulfilled with Jesus Christ upon the cross. Whether trying to annihilate the whole nation, and I think about this, the woman giving birth, the dragon waiting to kill the child as it came forth. And uh, for us, for not for me, for Lily, with the birthing of Melissa, it was a long process for Lily. With our son John, it was almost like she sneezed and there was a baby boy there. But the first birth took a while. You know, it was a long 24 plus hours for her. Some women, no doubt, having a longer term than that. But think about this. I was thinking a connection with the nation of Israel, how Satan has plotted against the promised Messiah in the Old Testament time after time, either trying to destroy the whole nation or trying to destroy the messianic line of Christ that came through the sons of Judah, that came through David, the kingly line. 
and sometimes coming to a single heir left. And even at the birth of Jesus Christ, King Herod, uh, Edomite, who was named king by Rome over the nation of Israel at that time, so he was not a Jewish king, but King Herod trying to annihilate the coming Messiah and killing all the male boys from the ages of two years old and under at the time of the birth of Christ. That Satan has always tried to destroy God's plan through trying to prevent the coming of Christ, but unable to do so. The Bible tells us in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5, but when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we should receive the adoption as sons. In the fullness of time, in God's perfect timing, Jesus Christ was born. He not only grew to become a man, but he became that sacrifice upon the cross. The great fiery red dragon, as we read in verses 3 through 4, he had this magnificent appearance. It tells us plainly, though, in verse 9, that this fiery red dragon is Satan and the devil. So we're not confused about who's being talked about here. Dracon is the Greek word for this dragon we get from, and it speaks about this legendary animal. In most of the world, when they talk about a dragon, they talk about something that is fearsome. This dragon described to us in Scripture, having seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems on its seven heads. It speaks about, to me, Satan's attempt of perfection because the number seven in the Bible is the number of completion. But also ten speaks about the nations. It's a number for the nations of the world. But also we think of power, these horns. The horn in the Bible speaks about strength. It speaks about power. And Satan, when he was created by God, he was something to behold. We get a glimpse of this in Ezekiel 28, verses 12 through 15 where Ezekiel is commanded by God saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. And thus says the Lord God. Now he's talking about a king that existed during that day. But behind that, he's talking about the force behind that king. He's talking about Satan. Listen to how he's described here. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. And he goes on to list those stones. The workmanship of your timbrels, your pipes, your lungs was prepared for you on the day that you were created. You were the anointed cherub of God who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in all your ways from the day that you were created till iniquity was found in you. And there's the thing. Satan is the created being of God. And there was a point where iniquity, sin was found in him, where he desired to be as God, to usurp the authority of God. And in the process of that, 
The great dragon's tail drew a third of the stars with him. Personally, I believe that this is describing the demonic forces at work in this world today. We speak about the angels who fell in Jude 6. It says the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their abode and have been reserved in chains under darkness until the judgment of that great day. In 2 Peter 2.4, it says that God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for the judgments. And there are some angels that they are so horrific, these fallen angels, that they have been locked away until the time of the end. But when Jesus was casting out the many demons in this demonic man, when Jesus said to this man, what is your name? Speaking to the demons, and they said, we are legion because we are many. This demonic host that had possessed this man, they said to Jesus in Matthew 8, 29, what have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? that there is an appointed day by God to judge both spiritual beings, but also humans as well. God has appointed a day in which he'll judge both fallen mankind and the fallen angels. And the dragon stood ready to destroy, consume the child. Satan tried to get Joseph to divorce Mary when he found out that his virgin bride was with child. Satan persuaded King Herod, as I had already mentioned, to kill every baby boy from the ages of two years old and under in the region of Bethlehem, not knowing that Joseph was warned in a dream and had escaped with Mary and the child to Egypt at that time. Satan failed to keep Jesus from the cross when he tempted him in the wilderness there after the 40 days of fasting that Jesus went in and there were the three great temptations of Christ given to us in scripture. Whether it was the Jews attempting to throw Jesus off a cliff or to stone him to death, Satan could not prevent the coming of Jesus, nor could he prevent his atoning work upon the cross. Hebrews 12:2 then tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the Bible tells us in verses 5 and 6 that she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, the nation of Israel through Mary, bearing forth this male child, the Christ, our Messiah. He's to rule all nations. Again, we go back to David in Psalm 2, verses 7 and 9. He says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the end of the earth for your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. He's to rule with this rod of iron. The child itself, Jesus, through being caught up into heaven after he finished his work 
upon the cross, now at the right hand of the Father. He is there with the Lord. And after Satan failed to prevent the Lord's atoning sacrifice upon the cross, unable to touch Christ, he goes after his children. He goes after the nation of Israel. And at this time in the tribulation, God will supernaturally protect them in the wilderness for three and a half years. They will flee to the wilderness. I believe they flee to the wilderness because of the abomination of desolation that will take place. Jesus gave warning of this in Mark 13, 14. He says, when you see the abomination of desolation, as spoken by Daniel the prophet, Daniel spoke about that in Daniel 9, 27. When you see the abomination of desolation, as spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and they will flee to the wilderness because of this attempt against them by this great fiery red dragon. Don't you know that Satan, from the very beginning, there in the garden, has attempted to destroy the plans of God, but he will never succeed. So there's this war in heaven. We find in verses 7 through 12, again, I'll read the context. It says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. So this war breaks out in heaven. This is future. But we find that Michael and Satan have contended before. We find in Jude 9, it tells us that Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, Here's a, a great thing. Michael, this mighty angel of God, did not dare bring accusation against Satan, but saying, the Lord rebuke you. I've heard some people here on this earth make mighty bold statements against Satan. And one of the greatest angels in heaven named to us in scripture, we have Michael and Gabriel. And the Bible tells us Michael didn't even dare to bring accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. We need to allow Jesus Christ to be our strength. Don't think that we have the strength. Even Michael, when battling over the body of Moses, what a battle that must have been. And again, we find in 
in Daniel chapter 10 that they fought again. Where Gabriel speaking in Daniel 10, 13, it says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. And so even Gabriel in battle against Satan, saying, I battled for 21 days, and then Michael came. And then Gabriel was able to come to Daniel. It almost seems that Michael took his place, that Gabriel could reveal this prophecy to Daniel. And again, at the last days in Daniel 12:1, it says, at that time, Michael shall stand up. The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, Michael, stands watch over the nation of Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, every one who is found written in the book. Jeremiah 37 calls this the time of Jacob's trouble. And there's this war that breaks out in heaven. Satan and his demonic forces against Michael and the angelic hosts there. And no longer will Satan have access to God's throne room. Right now he is known as the accuser of the brethren. The Bible tells us he's there before God day and night bringing accusation. But one day he'll be kicked out of heaven. And his wrath will be great upon this earth. And it's great because the Bible tells us that he knows his his time will be short. But listen to this. Those who overcame. There's three things that the Bible tells us about the overcomers. That they overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and by not shrinking back when faced with death. By the blood of the Lamb. The Bible tells us in Leviticus 17.11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. And we know ultimately the atoning sacrifice is the blood of Jesus Christ. As it says in 1 John 1.7, The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Number two, they overcame by the word of their testimony. I actually do this on Wednesday night. I read through Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, where it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10:13 Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved by the word of their testimony. How's your testimony today? Do people know that you're followers of Jesus Christ? And also the third thing, we may not like this third thing as much, by not shrinking back when faced with death. What we've found throughout the last 2000 years of the Christian church that there are those who've been willing to take this type of stand. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in Acts 20, verse 24, he said, none of these things move me. What was he talking about? Well, he was going to Jerusalem, and in every city that he went to prior to getting to Jerusalem, they were prophesying, saying, only death 
and chains await you in Jerusalem. The church was trying to prevent Paul from going to Jerusalem. And yet he said, Acts 20, 24, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. All heaven rejoices when Satan is kicked out of heaven. And then his wrath being unleashed upon the earth. The last three and a half years of the tribulation. It will be a very dark place on this earth. But even in the darkest of our days, we find that we overcome by the blood of the land, by the word of his testimony, and by our willingness to stand in faith. And finally, verses 13 through 17. It says, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time, three and a half years. From the presence of the serpent, so the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman. The earth opened its mouth, swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. And the dragon was enraged against the woman. And he went out to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So unable to prevent Jesus' atoning sacrifice upon the cross, Satan turns his attention to the nation of Israel, who at this time God will supernaturally protect. She's given two wings that she could fly to the wilderness. Actually, it's an area of Moab today, present-day Jordan, where in Isaiah 16:4 it says, Let my outcasts dwell with you, O Moab. Be a shelter to them from the face of the spoiler. For the extortioner is at an end. Devastation ceases. The oppressors are consumed out of the land. So God makes this place for Israel. Many believe this place is the rock city of Petra. It's very, very interesting place in the wilderness there, a city that was carved out of the rock. If you remember Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, get the right order of the movies there. Uh, they showed up in the rock city of Petra in this movie, made famous there, and tourists love to come to see it now. But a rock city carved out of this deep canyon that ranges some 12 to 40 feet wide, uh, that is some 200 to 1,000 feet in depth. And it's believed that this is the place where the Lord will carry them. We can't know for sure the exact location, but it's a great tour site today. At least it was up to a year ago. There for those who would go to Israel to visit, often they would go to Jordan. And I would love to see such a place as this. But God does this. He bears them on eagles' wings. He did this when he brought them out of Egypt. Exodus 19.4, he described it in this way. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. God describes his protection over people by 
these great wings. He does this for all of us in Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And the devil, it sounds like a sci-fi movie to me as I read these verses 15 and 16. The serpent spewed water out of his mouth to carry away the woman by a flood, but the earth helped the woman by opening up that it could swallow up the flood that was spewed out of the dragon's mouth. Now, it it does sound like a sci-fi. In fact, it could be that the sci-fi makers are reading the Bible and saying, this would be great. Let's duplicate this. This looks really cool. And they're able to make pretty good graphics today to simulate such a thing. But also think about this. In the Bible, when it talks about the flood of the world, it can be a physical flood. But it can also be this flood of mankind, humanity. Second Samuel, David talks about this. Second Samuel 22, verses 5 through 7, he says, When the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The... Sh- Sorrows of shield surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called on the Lord. I cried out to my God. He heard my voice in his temple, and my cry entered his ears. We learn in this companion passage in Psalm 18. So 2 Samuel 22 and Psalm 18 are companion passages. Uh, They're kind of the same psalm, but just written slightly differently. There in Psalm 18, David talks about the miraculous deliverance that David had from the Lord. The Lord using earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, storms, great thunderings, lightning, torrential rains, uh, scattering out the strong enemies. We discover that Satan, he's not able to annihilate the children of Israel. God supernaturally protects them. So he's enraged against the woman, the nation of Israel. Unable to touch her, he makes war against her offspring, those who are believers in Jesus Christ. Because the offspring is described as those who keep the commandment of God and those who have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Those who keep the commandments of God. John 5, 2 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Those who have the testimony of Christ Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 6, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you by Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. I want you to know today that the wings of refuge are available to all who put their Trust in Jesus Christ. To those who overcome, we learn that there were three things in Revelation 12, 11 that they did. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. They overcame by the word of their testimony. It's not just believing in Jesus, but it's living faith before others. And they overcame by not loving their lives to the death, meaning 
that they were even willing to go to the death because of their faith. Well, here at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa, we have a church motto that says, Believe, Receive, Grow, and Go. Let's go ahead and stand together as we go through this church motto, because in the church motto is the process of understanding uh, salvation, but also the work of God in our lives as believers. And so we begin with believe. We say together, Hebrews 11:6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11:6. It begins by believing that there is a God. Believing, Genesis 1:1, in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. The process of our salvation begins with believing that God is. Secondly, we have to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. We say together, Romans 5:17, for if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ, Romans 5:17. Not just believing that there is a God. There's a lot of people in this world that believe that God exists. But they fall short in receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior. We have to receive Jesus as our Savior in order to be an overcomer. Once we've done this, we need to grow in our faith. And we say together, 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. 2 Peter 3.18. And, uh, you know, being in church together as the body of Christ is a process of growing, listening to solid Bible teachers through social media, through Christian radio, Reading books, I still like to read books, is a good way to grow in our faith. But we need to grow, but not just to be smart. I'm, I'm a smart Christian. We need to grow in such a way that we're able to go and to share our faith with others. As Jesus said, we are to do, we say together, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. Matthew 19. I almost had it right. Matthew 28, 19 and 20. You guys got it right. If there's anyone that has questions regarding faith, Please talk to myself, Pastor Kevin's, Kevin, one Kevin. Other, I was thinking of others here also that you may know that they could talk to you about the faith issue as well. If you're listening on the radio through social media, please email us at cclv at comcast.net. If you'd like to support our ministry, it's because of the support of the body of Christ here locally, but also beyond. We had a radio listener write, this week, Tuesday, I believe it was, he sent me a message uh, through Facebook 
And he said, you know, I moved out of the area. I'm no longer to hear the radio station, but I would like to increase my monthly donation. And he shared with me the amount. He's been supporting our ministry for years. But this is what he said. He said, I can't listen to it anymore, but I still want to give more. And I messaged him back and I said, ah, but you can listen because we stream now. And he thought that was wonderful. But that amazes me. You know, it's like the guys over in Gals too, in Lake Villa there at Calvary Chapel, they're doing a good work. And although I can't be part of that ministry, I'd like to support that ministry. And it's one of the reasons that we're able to buy the video camera and the system that we have now is because of the support that we have been given. So it's just a a thank you to God and to those who choose to support this ministry. It has been a blessing. And you can find out if you're listening on radio through social media, cclv.org. You can find out information there. Again, on Wednesday, we'll be looking at Genesis 27 and 28. I love going through the book of Genesis. There's much for us to learn. In Genesis 28, we'll read about Jacob's ladder, something that Jesus talks about in the Gospel of John. So we'll be able to tie those two things together this coming Wednesday. Well, let's go ahead and close out in our last song of worship. As the worship team comes forward, I will close this out in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you for your great grace that you've bestowed upon us. Lord, I pray that we would be those who are overcomers. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of the testimony, and by not shrinking back from death, meaning as Christians we're willing to stand in our faith in the last days. I pray that we would each have such boldness, and we know, Lord, that we cannot do it apart from the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We, Lord Jesus, are saved by the blood of the Lamb, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave your all, that we might find life. And we look forward, Lord, to the day that you take your throne when you proclaim yourself to all the nations of the world as king. Lord, you are king now, but that proclamation has not yet been made according to Bible prophecy. We await that day, Lord. Maybe we'll be in heaven with all, and we should be, in heaven, in worship at that time, breaking out in worship. For those here on this earth, Lord, I pray that you would be with those who would have to stand strong in their faith. May it be so that we would all have such faith as overcomers that we read about today. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.